Good morning, Loveland. I'm Mike Meldon, and this is the Loveland Weekly Podcast, brought to you by Gina DeBell-Smith, EXP Realty, and Stone Pillar Farms. Whether we realize it or not, poverty is all around us. We live in a really nice town, a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, and the first thing we think of when we think of Loveland, Ohio, is definitely not poverty. But it's here. It's hidden all around us. And so I did some digging. Why is poverty hidden here, right under our noses? Why isn't it out front? Why isn't it something we talk about often? And so the research that I found, there were many different reasons for this. One of the main reasons was physical dispersion. Poverty in the suburbs is typically more spread out compared to urban areas. And this dispersion makes it difficult compared to urban areas to truly identify poverty pockets or disadvantaged neighborhoods. But also there's stigma and stereotypes, and I think this plays a major role too. Suburbs are often associated with affluence, stability, and a higher standard of living. This perception can create a stigma around poverty in suburban areas, leading to assumptions that everyone living in the suburb is financially secure. As a result, individuals and families facing poverty and feeling this real struggle in the suburbs may face a social pressure to hide or downplay their economic struggles, contributing to their invisibility. And lack of awareness compared to urban areas, there's generally less awareness and knowledge about poverty in the suburbs. This lack of awareness can stem from a variety of factors, including media focus on urban poverty, limited research on suburban poverty, and the dominant narrative of suburban prosperity. As a result, the extent and complexity of poverty in suburban areas may not receive the attention it deserves, leading to its underestimation and oversight. Middle-class camouflage is also named, and this kind of goes along with the stereotype issue. People experiencing poverty in middle-class neighborhoods may feel pressure to maintain appearances and blend in with their affluent neighbors. They may adopt coping mechanisms to appear financially stable while they are taking on debt, relying on informal support networks, or hiding their financial struggles. This camouflage further contributes to their invisibility and makes it harder for others to recognize their economic hardships. And the final reason that poverty may seem more hidden in a suburb rather than an urban area is because of insufficient support systems. Many times these uh, social services, safety nets, or community organizations are located in urban centers and you don't find many of them in smaller communities or small towns. And that brings us to our conversation today. Loveland is lucky enough to have one such organization. We have something here in Loveland called the Life Food Pantry, and they help many, many people here in our town. I was lucky enough to speak with Linda Bergholtz, the executive director of this nonprofit that helps so many people, and talk to her about her amazing volunteers and what her organization does on a daily basis. Today is Monday, June 19th, 2023. Starting out, why don't you tell us a little bit about the mission of the Loveland Life Pantry? Well, the mission of our pantry, we're a faith and community supported organization. Um, and we provide food, financial assistance, and programs to help clients in the 451 for zero area. 
um, that are experiencing hardship. It could be that they lost a job or they're underemployed, that they just can't make ends meet. They have some kind of a disability. We have many, many different circumstances. So we used to serve only the Loveland School District. A few years ago, we expanded into all of 45140 because, as you know, Loveland is in that unique situation of being three different counties. And so you have a Loveland address, but you go to Milford Schools, or you have a Loveland address, but you go to Goshen. And so we felt like if it's a Loveland address, that's our service area. But we also do a one-time serve for anybody that needs food because that's what we do. We do food. And so if anybody comes in from anywhere, we're going to give them food and then we're going to give them the resources that they will be able then to find a pantry that is in their service area to get the things that they need on a steady, regular basis. That's phenomenal. Yeah. How did the uh, food pantry here get started? What's the history of this? Back many, many years ago, um, back in the 90s, it was a couple of congregations, Prince of Peace being one of them, and it was formed and called the Shalom Initiative. And there were about 45 clients all together. So, you know, 12, 13 families that were in need. And so it grew from there. Eventually, the Shalom Initiative split into two parts. It split into the Loveland Life Food Pantry and to what was called The Initiative. The Initiative is no longer um, an organization, but the pantry continued to grow and grow and grow. We were in the Prince of Peace location at the Lutheran Church for all the years up until about four years ago when COVID hit and we could no longer have people come in and when it went back to, okay, we're reopening the church and people can come again, but they have to wear masks and you still have to separate six feet. It wasn't possible anymore. There wasn't six feet of separation space in our pantry um, because it was a grocery list pantry. Clients would come in, fill out their grocery list, and then we would fill it to the best of what we had. So we moved into our current location, which is in Shoppers Haven in downtown Loveland there on the corridor. And we are what is known as a choice pantry. So when our clients come, they shop for themselves. And the amount that they get is based on family size. And so, you know, a family of four might get six meat items and four dairy. And, you know, it just depends on what the demographic of their family is. And, you know, of all the things that we have choices of in our life, what we eat should be one of them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't want to be the pantry that gave everybody a box of peanut butter, two cans of soup, you know, et cetera. We, we want our clients to have the dignity of choice and to be able to manage this part of their lives, even though they need help. Most of our clients are working families. Some of them are two parent working families. Some of them are single parents. Most of them, however, simply are under the income that they need to be able to manage all of their expenses. And so a food pantry is a good way for us to help them save money. Everyone that comes in, they can shop every two weeks, leaves with at least $200 worth of grocery and household personal care items. 
Well, if you take $400 of a monthly budget that you don't have to spend, that money can go to utility bills and car repairs and those kind of things. Yeah, car insurance, you name it, the list. Exactly. (laughs) The, The list is the same list that we all have. All of our clients have these same expenses too. We are one of the few pantries in the area that does auto assistance. So we help when a client comes in and says, my driver's license needs renewed, but I can't afford Okay, we we can help with that. We need a registration. My car broke down. I can't get to work. Okay, what's the bill? Let's see if we can cobble this together. And we can't always do all of it, but we have a broad range of other sources that we can go to. And so it's it's really important that our clients can be as self-sufficient as possible. We know that the path of poverty is the car broke down, so I can't get to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't get to work, so I lose my job. I lost my job, I can't pay my electric bill. My electricity gets shut off, and then I get an eviction notice because you can't live in an apartment without having connected electricity. And then all of a sudden, they went from the car broke down to homeless. Right, it's amazing. It's I it teach is. a poverty, I teach a world uh, modern world issues class, and poverty as you dig into it. And you realize, one, that it's it's around you much more than you know. It's right in front of our face, but we don't see it, a lot of people. It um, is. And, and, it, and, and it trickles from the little things, like you said, the car. Uh, exactly. And in, in, in transportation. I can't believe, I'm, I'm so amazed that you guys take care of those things. <laughs> we do We do our best to, to get those things out there and to help with those kind of situations. And in a community like Loveland, I mean, let's let's be realistic loveland is an affluent community you know we're very very comfortable here and we're very very fortunate to have that situation we have four low-income housing hud housing developments here in loveland that most people don't know i don't think a week goes by when i speak with someone that they'll say there's a food pantry in loveland yeah there's a food pantry in loveland and we serve this won't surprise you or anyone else. Since COVID, our numbers have tripled, not just increased, but tripled. Yeah. We are feeding approximately 1,100 individuals a month. That's over 350 families. That's amazing. It, it, it's, it's incredible. It's- and it's all volunteer with the exception of two of us, which get a stipend. It's not an actual salary. Right. Um and so, yeah, it's it's an amazing organization. I'm so proud to be the executive director of this. And we have wonderful volunteers. We have a terrific board. Everybody is caring and giving and putting themselves out there to do what they can within their community. And, and speaking of community, I know from running my own nonprofit, Loveland is a phenomenal place, a community that backs up oh yes, the nonprofits and and supports you. But what challenges? What other challenges do you face um, as as trying to feed these people or or help them in these other ways? You know, keeping food on the shelf is is really daunting. Sometimes we have no local, federal, or state funding. We wow. are purely donations and grants. And as you know, grant writing takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of time. (laughs) It takes a lot of energy. And there are only so many of us to do these things. So we count on community donations, not only 
money you know we love the monetary donations and we'll go do the shopping but when we there are food drives that people will collect items that we've requested because we literally will fill the shelves in the morning and by the end of the day half the shelves are empty and they have to be restocked wow. and so keeping food supplies and the cost of everything has increased mm -hmm. and so it costs us more too and so to keep people fed and enough choices for them it's an ongoing challenge you know paper towels toilet paper products that you don't even think of that we just take for granted you know you run out of paper towels you go to the basement you go to the utility room you get another roll that that's not the case for our families and when you have five or six kids, a box of cereal, well, you have three kids. You know how long a box of cereal lasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So imagine that. And so we frequently are asking organizations and communities for food drives, do a cereal drive, and they'll bring in a thousand boxes of cereal. And it's phenomenal. And two months later, it's gone and we need cereal right. again. And so it is a constant replenishing. One of the things that we hit really hard over the year in March, particularly, we have a drive March and April, and we were hitting people for, could you do $5 a month, like a pledge drive only, you know, we didn't have annoying commercials, but it was <laughs> like that. Can you do $5 a month every month? That's the cost of driving through a coffee place right. for a coffee. If you only do $5 a month, I can put together a weekend bag that will give a child a meal on Friday night when they're not in school, then three meals Saturday and three meals Sunday. And that's just one $5 contribution. If we have 100 people doing that every month, that's amazing how much food that we can put together with that. And, and it's simple. You go to PayPal, you go to Venue, you pledge your $5, it comes out monthly. $10, that's even better. We'll take whatever amount you'd right. like to. But a $5 ask really isn't that much. Pretty no. much anybody can do a $5 ask. And when we get those kind of things in, it just makes my job so much easier because then I can send my shoppers out and say, okay, $300, go buy XYZ. Right. We're fortunate that we have good donors in the Kroger, Walmart, Costco, out of time. We have places that do donate to us, and that helps immensely. We also have um, an affiliation with the Free Store Food Bank downtown, and so we can get things at reduced price. A can of chili at Kroger might be $4.99. I can get a case of it for $6.00. Oh, great. And yes. Yeah, so and it's not always brand names, but mm -hmm. but that helps. But it's keeping the shelves stocked is right. the biggest thing. And we just need so much to do that. How many volunteers do you have uh, helping you right now? We average 65 volunteers a week. Wow, that's phenomenal. It, it is incredible. We are the only pantry in the area of which I'm aware that is open seven times a week. Many pantries are open once or twice. Right. We're open Tuesday through Saturday. So every morning except Saturday and Sunday, we're open from 10 to 12. Then we reopen in the afternoons on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 4 to 6.30. That way, families with different shifts and different jobs, there should be a time for most everybody to be able to get here. 
And that speaks a lot to you and your volunteers and this community. The, to, the dedication to, is phenomenal. Yeah, it really does. That's that's amazing. So for other people that want to donate their time or want to donate the $5 a month or give a one-time payment, how do they do that? How do they go about that? Lifefoodpantry.org. That's our website. And we have everything set up. It is truly as simple as clicking the button and it's done for you. We have a sign-up genius for volunteers that want to come in. And it's not just working in the pantry filling shelves. We need shoppers that will shop with the clients. We need pickup people that will go to Kroger and pick up the donations or will go down to the free store and pick up you know, the order that we put in. So there are lots of opportunities to do things like that. There's also information on there. So you want to do a food drive? That would be great. We have different categories. You can do a general one or you could do a specific household items, cleaning products, um, baby care, food for the weekend bags, kid-friendly items. We go through, as you can imagine, tons of those. And so you can do a specific food drive and we have food drive coordinators that will help you organize it and bring it and we do day checking and sorting so there are so many opportunities out there for people to just jump in and do a little or a lot and you can sign up for two hours or you can sign up for 22 hours looking ahead in loveland wednesday june 24th Loverland will have a limited showing of Hometown Habitat, Stories of Bringing Nature Home, sponsored by Gina Dubell-Smith, EXP Realty, RSVP at www.loveourland.org. Saturday, June 24th, the Loveland Art Gallery Crawl highlights Loveland's diverse art galleries and focuses on the extraordinary artwork created by numerous Loveland artists. During the one-day art event, galleries and artists will hold open houses from 4 to 9 p.m. And finally, on Sunday, June 25th, the Concert in the Park Elvis Tribute Show will happen from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Don't miss this iconic tribute to the king. He's ranked top five in the world for being an Elvis impressionist. We have something truly special here in Loveland. Thank you for listening. And have a great week.